So here we are. It's the day after, man. <laughs> How are you feeling? Are you awake? Uh, bro, I'm awake. I slept like a baby last night. Did you? I, I, I lost like an hour to sleep. I was up late. Did you? You know something? I'll tell you why I slept like a baby. Because I knew things weren't going to be determined. I knew we weren't going to have a final answer uh-huh. this morning. I just, I knew it. And uh, not only that, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I believe Jesus is Lord. Well, I think it was Stetzer, Ed Stetzer last night that posted a tweet that said something like, I vote like an Arminian and I sleep like a Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> vote like a- you vote like a Calvinist and sleep like a Calvinist, but the humor is funny. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we don't, um, we don't, uh, I, I try to do nothing like an Arminian, but uh, <clears throat> that's just me. It, it, um, it, it, there, there's irony. There, there's there's humor there. There's some humor. Bro, uh, how you doing, man? Give us an update. What, how was your election night last night? Well, you know, I was, well, you and I were talking a couple days ago about doing a Worldview Wednesday and just realizing that the next Worldview Wednesday we we're going to do would be uh, the day after what was an election. And knowing back then, more than likely, there wasn't going to be a clear winner. Uh, so how was my night last night? It was good. I stayed up late watching as much as I could. Uh, fascinating. I mean, I, I, I think I called the quits just before 11 o'clock, realizing that, you know, the stuff was trickling in so slow. Uh, it was clear it was going to be a few days until anything of meaning really got figured out. But when I went to bed, uh, it was a it, it looked like a straight shot for Trump, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and then I woke up in the morning and it looked like the complete opposite, that Trump right. had a very small chance of getting it of getting the election. And so it was. Uh, I went to bed in one way, and then woke up, uh, <laughs> wondering what happened, and trying to figure out uh, what I missed over the night. But yeah, that, that was the kind of night it was. I think for the most part, most folks had the exact same experience. What about you? Uh, well, so I'll tell you. So we, uh, Elisa and I were we were watching um, some of the election coverage. I I caught some from. Um, uh, like the Daily Wire, and then I watched some of the Cross Politic broadcast. Um, and uh, they do a, live, I, a live feed the whole night. I don't know how late theirs went. I know that it started at nine o'clock central, which means it was like seven o'clock their time, which makes sense because that's when the polls close at seven yeah. p.m. Um, and so I don't know how late they went, but I can tell you that my wife and I we started. Um, we decided to start watching a new show, and I'm like, you know what? I, I wanted to watch all the coverage because, and I had my, I had like my laptop open because I wanted to be prepared for this episode. But um, man, after a certain point, I was like, this is, this is enough. I know I'm going to have to do all my homework in the morning anyway. Like I know we're not going to, there's nothing conclusive that's going to come in tonight. That's going to like seal the deal. Um, other than, uh, well, I guess this happened this morning, but Kanye West did concede his uh, his race. You know, I was going to say it if you didn't, but that was the biggest news of the whole night. I mean, that was the that was the the bomb that kind of broke the whole ship, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can we even trust the process anymore? You know, I mean, if Kanye can't, if a good if a good man like Kanye can't even be can't even count on the votes of the American people. What um, do you know? What kind of votes he got? Out of curiosity, do you read anything? I'm sure. I mean, because he I was have on no clue. Ballot, All I know right? is he conceded. Okay. He was. I I read that he was on like the vice presidential ballot uh, in California. <laughs> but I, that, 
I don't. I don't know. So I, Californians. Look, if anyone's watching this, a Trump Pence ticket and a Biden Harris ticket, or a, a Trump uh, Kanye West ticket. I I don't know. I okay. I just heard that. If someone can confirm, was Kanye West on the ballot in your in your state? Let us know. Your county, because I'd love to. I can't believe it. I'd love to know that. But yeah, it, was um, wild, it was wild. But listen, man. So I started watching this show with my wife. And uh, I fell asleep. I fell asleep on the couch. I slept like a baby. I woke up and uh, checked the news and, you know, got back into it. But but then what did I do this morning? I read my Bible. I led family worship with my kids. And um, I don't even think my kids, you know, they came to the polling place yesterday with us. So they knew it was, it was a political time. But I don't, I don't even think that they asked, you know, who won. I don't even think it came up this morning. Um, but... Uh, you know, so we're not the set of cases we're not stressing over here. We don't, we don't we're, we're well. Let me say this. Let me say this. We're not stressing. We're aware of what's going on, but we're not stressing. Rafe, are you how how involved are your girls and uh, you know your family in this process? Were they aware of the fact that yesterday was election day? Uh, I, I mean, our oldest Ruth probably saw that we had it on the TV. And I mean, she can recognize Donald Trump at this point just because his face is on every magazine and every uh, every every time you turn the TV on, he's doing something on the TV. Um, and so, and I think she un she did understand that there was a vote and that there there could be a new president. And so, I think she got it. She she actually did ask this morning, "Is there going to be a new president?" And oh. I, I said, "We don't we don't know. We'll find out." Okay. Um, okay. And so whatever to to whatever degree a six year old little girl. Uh, can understand, and I've never take I've never really explained it to her. So she's, you know, that's the little she's picking up from conversations between mom, mom and dad, and that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Well, so bro, we knew that there was going to be an aftermath for us to analyze, and um, you know, people are talking, even if our kids aren't. I went to a um, to a cafe in an undisclosed location today um, because. You know, the, our governor has uh, so um, uh, uh, so. Hmm, what's a good adjective for the way he's acting right now? Uh, autonomously um, declared indoor dining to be off limits for Illinoisans right now, or at least at least uh, where I am in our new locale where we moved to. And um, but there are some that are staying open, and um, uh, quite frankly, I want to support them because the governor technically uh, constitutionally does not have the authority to do that, to make that kind of restriction. So I went to this, um, this cafe this morning that's staying open for dine-in and it was wonderful, man. I, uh, I get in there and the discussion was amazing. People were robustly talking about the election and, and I'll, I'll admit most of the conversation was one-sided. I mean, this was in a more rural area, so you can kind of guess which side the conversation was on. But uh, you're muted. You're muted. Right. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm next to – if you guys don't know this yet, when we do Worldview Wednesday, I record next to uh, State Street in Chicago. And so I got I mute when I'm not talking because it's full of trucks and ambulances going by. That's right. Well, yeah, and Rafe and I are, are in very different locales right now. Uh, I'm – I spent my morning in the country and uh, he's in the South Loop of Chicago, which is kind of like the nexus of a lot of the stuff that goes on around uh, Chicagoland. Um, but the conversation was, was robust this morning, man. And there's a lot of people upset. There's a lot of people upset. There's a lot of 
um, I, I'm going to say conspiracy theory, but maybe I'll say conspiracy claims going around. Um, conspiracy theory has a bad connotation, you know, kind of like uh, it's it's illegitimate if you call it a conspiracy theory. But um, there's a lot of that stuff going around, a lot of claims of illegitimacy. And I thought, you know what, if we're going to be addressing the aftermath of yesterday's election, man, we need to we need to figure out where the debris lies right now. Um, where is the uh, what's the lay of the land? Who's upset? Why are they upset? Who's feeling good? Why are they feeling good? What are the worldviews in play? And how do we analyze our current situation as Christians? I know this is something we talked about, uh, you know, beforehand before we got started. But man, people are upset. A lot of, um, I think. Well, where would you where would you put the political landscape right now, and and how would you divide up the the lines in terms of who's on yeah. what side and who's feeling what way? Well, let, let me say a couple things to start, and and I want to remind folks of at least my my aim and my role. Uh, I'm a pastor, and so you know I, the last thing I want to do is be another political pundit uh, right. trying to break apart the 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 landscape of each of the states remaining and all that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm following just like everybody else is and trying to understand the the breakout and what the, what the trajectories are, but. I'm a pastor. That's not my area of expertise. The The place I'm really interested in is uh, the worldviews that are being exposed right now. Um, one, in the lead up to the election. Two, in a morning like this where you're right. I mean, what you experienced in that coffee shop, I think on both sides right now, um, you, have a, you have a left-leaning part of American society uh, who, is, who is expecting a, you know, a quote, blue wave. Um, who went to bed last night realizing that uh, the whole world does not think the same way that they think. Right. And then you have a right-leaning uh, sector of America uh, who is, you know, went to bed last night pretty sure their guy was going to be in. And, and probably, to, I'm guessing, that small coffee shop is not the only place in America where there's conspiracy. Or not, you know, you don't like the word conspiracy, but questioning the legitimacy of it. Trump has already begun to question the legitimacy of it. And knowing Donald Trump, he'll probably see that through yeah. uh, over the next few weeks is my guess is that he's going to be a bulldog and uh, he'll use every legal means possible to uh, get to the bottom if there was any kind of uh, uh, bad players or anything like that. And so I think you, you do. You have the polarization literally at play leading up to it. You have it at play right now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Joel, you know, Trump's in office at least for the next few months, uh, depending on what happens. Uh, and, and I think we could probably expect, uh, for the next few months, it's going to be a, a bit of a wild ride as we get to the bottom of, uh, making sure it counts. I mean, the thing, the thing that Christians should be most, uh, excited about, uh, is we want to make sure that every legitimate count vote is counted properly right. and that the, the system we have really works. And so before we paint caricatures of anybody else, it's, and that's one of the things I just, I, I want to say right up front, I think Christians need to be very careful and I've watched us as Christians on the whole uh, fall into the trap. While, while there is good reason to, know, to learn and to be aware of the information, I have seen too many times Christians uh, falsely caricaturize uh, the, the side that is not agreeing with them, wherever they land, falsely caricaturizing and coming to almost like demonic conclusions about people that disagree with them. And uh, while I think there's important policies to have convictions on and places to stand. I, especially right now, Christians really need to lead the way in not overly caricaturizing 
in like a evil, tyrannical, demonic way. Uh, folks that disagree with them politically. I think it's a real danger. I think we've done it. I think Christians are guilty of it. Uh, I'm guilty of it at times where I'm like, how could you think differently than me? And oftentimes those differences are rooted in the Bible. I think Christians on the whole, we try to find our place of conviction from scripture. Uh, but at times, you know, we allow other things to form those convictions and, and we end up looking silly from that. So just as a start, I don't want to be a political pundit. I want to look at the worldviews, what's feeding people. And uh, I, I want to be careful that we don't fall into that trap of uh, demonizing unfairly other, other side just because they disagree with us politically. Did I lose you, Joel? I'm going to keep talking while Joel tries to find his way back. Um, <laughs> so that's, that, that's kind of a, a baseline kind of uh, starting place for what I'm thinking as we get into this, this conversation today. Honestly, I think the folks, and Joel is calling me right now, so I'm going to talk to you, Joel. Joel, did I lose you? You didn't lose me. I lost the internet somehow. Oh, well, I'm still on, and so the world is watching me. Joel lost his internet. So, so, so the world watching. Joel lost his internet. I'm gonna. What's going on, man? What I'm gonna do is. Except for the fact that what is this? This is unplugged. Oh, you guys on? Did you just unplug this? Oh yeah, yeah. You just did that just now, Jacob. All right, I'm gonna let you get back on. That's why it's not working. You unplugged my internet. Go back on. So Joel's having fun. He'll be back on in just a moment. But while he comes back on, let me tell you about some other stuff. So I think we got to be very careful that we don't uh, over characterize the other side. The other thing I want to say right up front too. Uh, and I'll, I'll recap this once Joel gets back on. Um, I think that on both sides, there is a legitimate uh, number of fears that I see. And so the folks I've talked to today and in the emails I've gotten and even just the folks I've seen from our church and from you know other Christian circles, I know that uh, what they're experiencing, what they're posting online and what they're talking about right now is what they consider a very legitimate fear of the other side. And I think it's very wise not to necessarily throw out those fears, but I want to understand what's underneath the fears. And I think there's a handful of fears that I see, honestly. So one fear uh, that is real, uh, very real fear, would be uh, that somehow we're going to face injustice, um, the fear of injustice. And we'll talk more about this today, but the fear of injustice is a very good thing. Um, fear in the, in the right sense, we're made in the image of God. Our God is the God of all justice. There is no justice apart from our God. And so when a Christian or when anybody feels that they're going to experience some kind of injustice, like there's going to be a, a faulty voting system or something like that, or there's going to be, um, you know, they're, they're, the election's going to be rigged or something like that. Um, I think the, the fear that that's there, that shouldn't be dismissed. Uh, Christians should love justice. We should love actually making sure this works out in accordance with, uh, with, with the God of all justice. Um, and I think Joel's jumping back on right now, so I'm not get too far ahead without Joel jumping on. Let me see if he can, if he can get on here. Stay tuned. We will be back soon. This episode of the Think Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Culture Builders Facebook group. This is an amazing group filled with believers in Jesus, optimistically working to create Great Commission hubs for the spread of the gospel, the furthering of Christ's kingdom, and the emergence of Christian culture in the world. We are working through the three spheres of authority, the family, the church, and the state to make it happen. Check out the group by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Culture Builders. And we're back. All right. Sorry for the quick pause there. Um, I'm just going to keep going here. So I think there's a, a real fear of injustice. And so I think that's legitimate. I think Christians don't need to be afraid of a fear of injustice. I think Christians should fight to uh, make sure uh, that there is no real injustice that takes place. Um, and so, Joel, you're joining me back right here. I'm back. Welcome back. You, you, what happened there? Ah, uh, well, so my son 
So this is the beauty of working from home, Rafe. Um, not all of us have a nice, cushy, uh, luxurious office in the heart of an urban center. And uh, some of us have to work from a, uh, a basement in their home and uh, just roughing it out here in the country. Yeah. And uh, those of us who find ourselves in that situation, uh, we also find ourselves surrounded by children who are homeschooling and uh, God bless them, just trying to learn in this crazy world, trying to learn a thing or two about the world and gain an education. And sometimes when that happens, they uh, they decide they want to plug in their Nintendo Switch. And uh, the most easily accessible outlet is also the one that is connected to our internet and uh, uh, broadcasting our Wi-Fi. So sometimes the dad has to go upstairs and uh, gently and, and lovingly um, reprimand his son and and forgive, forgivingly and uh, compassionately just ask that he never do that again and plug back in the router and and uh, and then log back on to the broadcast. So uh, all that to say, my son unplugged the internet and uh, I'm back now. <laughs> there you go. Well, welcome back. I was yes, just friend. talking through some of the stuff you and I had been talking about as we were prepping for this episode. And I was talking about the fear, just a couple of the fears that probably folks are experiencing today that you heard over the coffee shop today that I'm seeing across our folks uh, in the city is, first of all, a fear of injustice. And I see this right. for from folks on both sides, uh, a fear that somehow uh, it's not going to be a fair election. Right. And both sides accusing the other side of the exact same thing, which there's an irony there, right? Both sides yeah. fearing the same thing. And, and the reality is that underneath that is we're made in the image of God. We're justice bearers. That we, we can't not desire justice in our inward being uh, because in we know what is right and wrong at the deepest level. Uh, and so there's, there's goodness there. Before I move on to the next one, what do you think? Jump in there. I know you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right, man. As we're talking about the worldviews that are at play, um, we do have to recognize that there is fear. I heard you talking about uh, fear of injustice and that is a, a very legitimate fear and as christian thinkers we have to recognize that the reason why we fear injustice and not only fear injustice rafe but we actually we hate we hate it when the other side plays unfair we hate that and and that's a that's actually a good thing that actually testifies to the truth of the biblical worldview because we are created in the imago dei which is just a fancy latin phrase for the image of god and part of that image is uh, is the fact that we are ingrained with a sense of fairness, propriety, and justice. You know, the word justice is such a cultural buzzword right now, and so many um, are misusing the word justice. You know, marching through the streets saying, uh, "You got BLM protesters saying justice is whatever we say it is." You know, and and there's an illegitimate use of that phrase of the term justice, but bro, there's a reason why counterfeit money gets mistaken as real money. Because real money has actual value and and and, and counterfeit money resembles it. And mm -hmm. so the fact that there are illegitimate uses of the term justice, all, and, and the fact that they are so powerfully in play in our culture today, shows us the meaning, the, the the meaningful value that the word justice actually does have to us, and that just points to the truth of the biblical worldview. We are not evolved pond scum. Right. We are not the product of time and chance acting on matter over millions and billions of years. We are image bearers of God Almighty, and as such, we have a strong sense of ju justice, a strong sense of fairness, and 
before the fall, and and this this hasn't been completely destroyed by the fall by by our sin. We have an actual hatred, a godlike, godly, holy hatred of injustice and unfairness. Now that comes out in practical terms when we see our political opponents doing something that we deem as unfair or illegitimate, like oh, like uh, left people on the left are looking at Trump and they're going, "Hey, you know, look, look at him. He's not accepting. He's declaring." victory illegitimately he's he's going to the uh, the courts and he's trying to you know uh he, he's trying to keep all legitimate votes from being counted okay then you've got people on the right who are saying um and Rafe, if you already said this when i was offline just jump in and cut me off here i don't want to double uh i don't want to double down on this um but you've got people on the right who are saying no 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 it's people on the left who are finding all these ballots you know that that just mysteriously happened to all all be for Biden, you know, 127,000 ballots, all 100% of them are all for Biden, you know, really, um, the, the, the left is trying to steal the election. So you've got both sides accusing the other side of injustice and sour irony in that, because um, we're supposed to be the United States, but this election is drawing out like a poultice, you, you might say, the, the deep toxicity in our political system that, that really does show how divided we are. And yet, here's, where, here's why it's ironic, is because in our division, it is actually, and our political division is actually revealing how you are made in the image of God. And so as a Christian looking at this, I can sit back, not as a political centrist, we're not called to be uh, apolitical or to be political centrists, but I can sit back and I can say, okay, I see both sides accusing the other side of injustice. Now, I might fall somewhere on that spectrum and I might say, I think it's this side, I think it's that side, I think it's maybe some sort of nuanced combination. But one thing I can be absolutely certain of as a Christian is this proves in real time, in the real world, the truth of the Christian worldview that we bear the image of God, that we seek justice and we love justice, even if that love is perverted and corrupted by sin and by a sense of, by, by a desire of, you know, by a desire for power, by a desire, by a desire for our side to have power. And, um, and maybe that's a good place for us to, to pick up the next point that you were about to jump into. No, it's perfect. I mean, I, 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 and this is important because we're talking about worldview. So what, what's forming the fear? And a sense of justice, we, we can explain that. The Christian worldview explains why we desire justice. I think also, you know, it's interesting. In both sides, uh, and I've watched this, you know, one of the benefits of being a conservative Christian pastor, uh, you know, what I mean by conservative, conservative theologically, and that leads to conservative socially uh, in terms of uh, inner interpersonal moral responsibility before God, uh, right? So to conservative Christian pastor in Chicago in a in a historic deep blue space right this is it I'm, I'm in I'm sitting right now in the middle of about as deep blue in the Midwest as it gets um, I think one of the things that's done is I, I I I get to be in a lot of conversations for folks that really think a lot differently than most of the folks in me listening to this podcast today now I, I don't know every listener obviously uh, but I'm guessing a lot of the folks that uh, might be listening to this probably would lean right probably more Republican, uh, probably more voting for Trump. If, if that's not you, wonderful, glad you're listening. I'm just, that's my guess of the listenership. Uh, however, if I, 
I've been in enough conversations where both for a long time now, both uh, those who are voting Republican and those who are voting Democrat are saying and thinking the same thing about each other in, in totally uh, twisted evil ways. What I mean by that, uh, the left consistently is afraid that Trump and his, his, his team have become tyrannical and are moving towards some kind of like fascist uh, dictatorship scenario. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of that Lincoln Project commercial. Do you see that Lincoln Project commercial where the mom wakes the kid up in the middle of the night and goes, honey, did you hear what happened in the election? No. The, the little six-year-old like rubs his eyes and says, what, what happened, mommy? And she goes, Trump won again. And the little kid goes, I thought you could only be president two times. And, she, <laughs> and the mom, it's this like fear tactic oh, moving boy. from the far left, which is that somehow Trump and his team on the right, uh, really what they're aiming for is to be some, become some kind of dictatorship. Right. On the right, you literally have the same argument being made in, in slightly different terms. But in the far right, you have folks looking out to the left saying, man, you are, you are, you, you're, you're pushing such an agenda of losing what we consider fundamental liberties in this country that really what you're moving towards is some kind of uh, um, leviathan, uh, mm. in, to use the old political language, leviathan, uh, where this juggernaut of, of government where they're going to control everything. And, and there's, there's glimmers of where do those ideas come from inside of people. What starts off as a regular story gets so quickly twisted and you get so extreme about it. Right. And, and more than ever, and it might just be that, frankly, uh, the last you know, six years I've been more politically interested than I, than I have in previous years of my life. Maybe this is how it's always been. But I feel as though, uh, on the whole, Christians in general have been far more engaged politically uh, than I've ever seen, at least from what I've heard, especially from older pastors and myself that are looking out of what's happening. And they've been more extreme than they ever have been on both sides of this. And again, I see that I'm not trying to find a centrist view. I'm, I'm pinpointing some of the worldview things that I, that I see taking place. And I see that this morning as well. I, I think people have a legitimate fear on both sides, not just of injustice, but of losing freedoms. And once again, Joel, it's the same thing. Why, why are we afraid uh, that somehow we're going to end up in a situation where we lose our freedoms, whether there's legitimacy behind that fear or not. What causes us to be fearful of that? It's the fact that uh, we know <laughs> from a biblical worldview what true freedom is, that freedom is found in Christ. We have a vision, especially in this country, of what founded this country, uh, the mm -hmm. Christian ideals of democratic republic, uh, where freedoms are, are given. I'm thinking of guys like, uh, you know, not a founder of America, obviously, but um, Abraham Kuyper and his writings on sphere sovereignty, right? Like, like government has a role and they don't have another role. And in this country, we, we believe that to be true. We got to be very careful. We don't allow government to grow so strong. And so another worldview here, just a worldview analysis, Christians, I think on both sides are afraid that they're about to lose, uh, their religious liberty. Uh, I want to, let me take that back, that they're going to lose liberties that they, sure. that they hold dear. What do you think on that? Yeah, well, and, and not only that, but I mean, we can look to very recent history and we can see examples of that. Right. I mean, we can see the IRS being weaponized under the Obama administration, um, you know, auditing religious groups. Um, we can see there are multiple examples of nonprofits registering for their nonprofit status and having their applications straight up ignored. Um, 
under the Obama administration. Yeah. Um, the Obama administration, just looking at it objectively, was not a fan or a friend of religious liberty. Right. Um, and that's just a fact. That, that's just an objective fact. That's that's not that's not an analysis. That's just a fact. Well, neither has you know. You only have to look so far as Amy Coney Barrett uh, and and the religious testing. Supposedly, I mean, the religious testing that was given her and the doubts people had on her serving in this role. By Diane Feinstein saying that the dogma lived loudly within her. Look, I'm not a, I'm not a Roman Catholic. I'm not a big fan of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not a fan of the Roman Catholic Church at all. Love Catholics. I love Catholics. Just don't. I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church. I don't. Uh, you know. But that being said, we have a, a rule in this country that there cannot be a religious test for office, and so. Right. Right, but but we've seen that exact thing play out. And do you remember remember the old do you remember the old video of Bernie Sanders asking? Uh, I wrote his name down. Yeah, What's the yeah. guy Russell Voigt or Vaught Voigt when he was running for office, and yeah. Bernie Sanders like grilling him, saying, "But do you believe that if you're not a Christian, that you're condemned?" Right. <laughs> and, and and the guy running is like, "I mean, I'm a as a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. My, my, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Like." Yeah. And Bernie Sanders being like, well, in this country, well, we have uh, many That's different people. That's not what we're different... supposed to be about. And, and, and I think, again, what I'm saying is not that the fear is not there. I'm examining that the fact that the fear is there yeah. uh, is saying something about our human, our, our humanity. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I just say, um, here's the thing. Let me tell you, Rafe, the question is how should Christians respond to this current situation? Let me just say, on the one hand, there's two wrong approaches. On the one hand, fear is a wrong approach. Fear is, is look, in Revelation, it talks about the, the kinds of people who will be excluded from the kingdom of God, from the New Jerusalem. On that list are the cowards. Cowards will not make it into the kingdom of God. Now, that being said, that's, how does anybody make it into the kingdom of God? Only by God's grace through Jesus Christ. That's it. And so... If cowards are excluded from that list, what that must mean is that Jesus Christ keeps one from becoming a coward. That 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 that's the only way I can put those two truths together. That courage is a biblical virtue. Courage is a very biblical virtue. So fear is absolutely off the table for Christians at this point. If you are viewing this current situation, if you're terrified right now because you're you're watching as 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 you watch, you know, maybe you read the Federalist. Earlier, there was an article that you sent to me um, expressing the uh, the analysis that the Democratic Party is trying to steal the election. Well, if you're reading articles like that and you're terrified, you you must not be terrified. Uh, I don't know any other way to say this. And Rafe, you're the you're the pastor. You can put this in a very nice, like 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 calming, like pastoral message. I'm the apologist, Rave, so I'm going to say there is no way for you to consistently say that you trust Jesus Christ and you are cowardly with respect to the outcome of this election. Yeah. Even if your opponents steal the election, you you cannot consistently say, yes, I, I trust in Jesus Christ and I'm also terrified. And look, let me give you let me give you biblical um, support for this. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, this presumes two things, and this is going to bring me to the, the second illegitimate way of dealing with this. One, it presumes that we will be fearful. It, it presumes we have 
Um, it presumes that we have worries. It presumes that there are situations in this world that we're going to take seriously enough that we're going to be very tempted to be afraid and anxious. And what it doesn't tell you, and this is the second illegitimate way, the first illegitimate way of handling things is, is through fear. The second is this, have a blase attitude. Say, ah, it just doesn't matter. You know, God's on his throne. It's all good. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Ultimately, we're all going to go to heaven anyway. So who cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. That's the wrong attitude. Yeah. You know, I read, I, 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 I read a quick article that really stuck with me this morning from, I think it was, you interviewed him, Neil Shenvey. Didn't you interview Neil a few, a few months ago? Uh, he had a great line and he was talking about, um, I think it was about either Black Lives Matter or kind of overall the, the kind of culturally Marxist, uh, the, the politically anti-racist uh, mm -hmm. kind of propaganda tools. And he said, on the whole, what we've seen is uh, apologists... On the whole, almost every one of them are condemning this. They, 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 they're condemning Black Lives Matter as a, the, the political entity and the, the, the and cultural Marxism on the whole. Pastors, on the whole, have failed to condemn it. And he asked the question, why is it that apologists so quickly can just say that is not a biblical platform? Like, like they're, they're, you're borrowing biblical themes within there. We're not throwing the whole thing out. There's some biblical themes that are decent in there. But there's a much better model. It's called the biblical model. Why is it the apologists are so quickly throwing it out, and pastors almost a hundred percent are afraid to do it? And and the reason he quotes, he's, and it's so interesting. He says, on the whole, it's because pa apologists are always after truth, and pastors are 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 more often than not after relationships. And I think that there is something in there where there's this weird. Um, dichotomy and you're talking about cowardice and you're talking about backbone and courage uh, it's not just the apologist that needs to not find a blend of relationship and truth we all as christians we live in the harmony of those two things it is not a false it's it's not this dichotomy of you must choose i'm either going to be someone who loves people relationally or i'm going to stand for truth and put my sword in the ground where it belongs but i can't do both no that's literally what the cross is and we're called to follow after the way of the cross where we stand for truth. We have full conviction, and yet we're dripping with grace and love. Right. And, uh, sorry, as you're talking about cowardice and courage, uh, I read that this morning, and I was just filled with, with a sense of um, how both oftentimes get it wrong. Like th yeah. there is this, It's not a blend. It's both and. It's very good. Feeds. And, and what was that last thing you just said? It's both it's, and? It's both and. It, it, it's not like you can only have truth. If you, if you do this much truth, right. you can only have that much relationship right. Right. it doesn't go like that it's you push them both yeah like that that's that's exactly right so at this point if you're watching live and you have a comment or question for myself or pastor rafe go ahead and drop it below we're going to try to address a few questions um we we have a hard stop today at uh, 255 central so if you're watching this live we're going to be off air in like 12 minutes so this is your chance to to drop a comment or a uh, a question like i said we will we will do our best to address your comments and concerns and questions but rafe what i'd like to do is we need to talk about some practical things right now because i the great thing right now now I, maybe this isn't that's not the right word for it the special thing about our current situation the special characteristic that we're in right now is it's not like it's just the right who's concerned about the left. It's not like it's just the left concerned about the right. 
literally both sides. I mean, Rafe, how much talk has there been about a new civil war, about the breakup of the United States in the last six months? These are real concerns that people have. And I think that it's people on both sides of the political spectrum. So here's why I say this is really unique and this is really special. Because the biblical advice for how to deal with this kind of scenario is going to be uniform across the political spectrum right now. We don't have to give separate biblical advice for liberals or leftists. I should really say leftists on the one hand and conservatives or maybe traditional liberals on the other side, because the biblical advice, at least as the way I see it right now, where I'm about to go in scripture is going to apply to the entire political spectrum because there is so much distrust right now. The collision of worldviews is being worked out in the political realm in such an acute way, in such a clarified way right now, that the Bible is going to be able to speak to both sides at once. I, I, I It's almost as if you've got the whole, um, you've got like, let's say you've got the political spectrum, and oftentimes you view it as, you know, uh, starting on the left, over here we've got communism, and oftentimes, you know, people say, oh, the right, that's fascism. I would tend to put the, uh, the fascism more on the left myself, but uh, you're muted. You're muted. But um, but maybe you've heard the analogy of the horseshoe, where the political spectrum is really more like you've got communism, and then it loops around. You've got libertarianism or anarchy down here, and then you swerve back up to the, the top, and that's fascism. Right now, it's like the whole spectrum is is all right up here at the top. The, the right and the left are so... It's like they're head to head right next to each other. And all we need to do, Rafe, is we need to take scripture. And if we aim it at that one point, we're going to hit everybody because everybody's concentrated up there. Yeah. Everybody's about ready to come to blows with each other. And we need some biblical wisdom right now to navigate because, look, we're ministers of the gospel. We're not political we pundits. We're not, we're not political analysts. We need to bring gospel biblical truth right now. And we've got like 10 minutes, to nine minutes to do this. So, Rafe, and we've got comments coming in. So, Good. So what... What are some scriptures right now that, that I need to be applied to, to the right and the left? Yeah, let, let me say a few things. Uh, so I'm going to go to Romans 14 as a, as a scripture for us. And I, I hesitated to do this only because politics is certainly not the context for which Romans 14 is was originally intended by Paul. And whenever you're trying to find applications for the biblical text, you want to make sure you stay within the lane of the original context to try to get that. However, I think that there's some principles which are helpful. In Romans 14, uh, there's this issue that's taking place where there are a group of people in the Roman church who, out of religious observances, were choosing to be vegetarians, and out of religious observances, were, were celebrating certain religious days and holidays as religious. And, uh, and Paul writes to the Roman church and sees this division happening in the church. And he says, as for the one who's weak in faith, referring to the one who is the vegetarian, uh, thinking that's the way you have to honor God. What verse are you on right now? Romans 14, 1. Okay. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Meaning, if you're a Christian, you realize you, food is open to you. You can eat meat. Like that, that's, not a, that's not a restriction. You didn't grow up in a tradition where that was part of your religious duty. Now you're looking over someone who's coming into the church, and he's saying, I feel this way at a religious principle. Look, what do you do with that person? Welcome that person in. You you don't need to clobber that person into submission on a right. non-vital doctrinal issue right. right out of the gate, right? Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Don't welcome him for the sake of looking for a club so you can beat him. Welcome him in. Welcome him into your home. Receive him. Cook him a meal. Mm -hmm. One person believes he can eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Notice, Paul is making a point. 
the, the person who thinks you got to be a vegetarian is wrong. <laughs> He's not right. That's right. Uh, but Paul's point is that he doesn't want the church to become a, a, a circular debate room where, right. where basically it's a, it's a repeat of the Areopagus, where everybody just wants to get in there and look like there's some high-sounded uh, intellectual thing. That's not what the church is. The church is where you live in harmony with one another, living out your differences, united underneath the banner of Christ. And you stand for the gospel and for the glory of Jesus in such power that the nations look in and take notice of it. Yeah. Now, what does that mean for us now? Now, I, the reason I'm hesitant to draw a straight line to politics is because I, I got to work some Bible exegesis through. I, I, I don't know if it's fair to do it, but I do yeah. think some folks bring their politics into the church with them in such a way that they see it as part of their worship. And that's not necessarily wrong. All of life is worship. But when you're taking non-vital issues and you're, you're placing dogmatic biblical truths about right. them, and you're, you're, you're condemning the other person. When it's not a dogmatic issue. There are dogmatic issues within politics, and mm -hmm. there are not dogmatic issues. But when you bring that in, and, and what can happen is if the church becomes the Areopagus, we look like everybody else. The church has got to stand for truth. The church has got to learn to live with one another, even in the midst of our differences, and not feel we got to win every argument every time. Okay. Yes, that that's true. That's true, Rafe. But I'm gonna I'm gonna point up another distinction between the church and the Areopagus, and that's this: in the Areopagus, their goal was to hear new ideas. That's right. what they loved. It was this. It was this. Um, this cluster of new ideas, and that's they just fed on that. That's what energized them. That's what worked them up into a lather. In the church, we stand on time-tested, revealed truths from God that are right. objectively true. And right. so the reason why why the church doesn't become a, uh, a, a cluster of debate for the purpose of debate, a, a debate center, is because we have a book that reveals truth to us by which we judge all those ideas. So if someone comes into the church, I'll give you a, a timely example. Someone comes into the church and they go, hey, um, look, we need to have, we need to uh, institute uh, government overseen democratic socialism. Socialism is the way. It's the economic system of God. It's the one that he prefers. It's, uh, you know, we need to uh, uh, surrender. We need to, you know, if they could go full Marxist and say, we need to seize the means of production from the bourgeoisie and uh, we need to deliver it to the people. And um, look, this is the way. Well, if that happens within the church, what do we do? We open up our Bibles and we talk about how ever since uh, the ancient times of Israel. I mean, I'm not going to get into all the arguments right now, but the idea that the idea of coveting and stealing being prohibited presumes, presupposes private property. You know, in the book of Acts, you've got people willingly surrendering their property for donations, but they're not under obligation to do so. And the state is never involved. So here's why I bring all this up. And it's just a test case. Socialism here is just a test case. It's not, I'm not even saying it's the most important test case. But the reason why I bring that up is because it's a timely example of the fact that we can test ideas against scripture. And once scripture has spoken on an issue, yeah, there might be quibbles and qualms about how we apply that, but that's the end of the matter. And, and scripture is not people, man, I've had people tell me this uh, quite frequently re recently. Well, you know, scripture just comes down to your interpretation. Yes. Insofar that scripture must be interpreted by actual persons you know what I'm saying? There is a subjective element to the fact of, and, uh, and but that's that is because 
we are persons, we are moral agents, we are interpretive agents. So yes, we must interpret scripture, but scripture is not infinitely malleable. Scripture has a defined um, right. meaning. And, and that meaning is determined by its divine author. And so, right. so we have to apply it, but scripture is, perspe uh, per uh, we believe in the perspicuity of scripture, meaning the, the clarity of scripture. And that's why scripture, uh, that's why the church does not become an Areopagus. Right. And, and so it, we're not subjectivists when it comes to truth, far from it. We don't just go, oh, we all just get along because we all have our own interpretation. We just got to love each other, man. No, we need to, we need to uh, hammer out what the truth is based on scripture and then submit to that. Right. Your thoughts? What do you think? Well, I completely agree with you. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm cautioning against mm -hmm. is uh, the incessant need to feel like you need to spar constantly with somebody. Correct. Beat them. That is, not, that is not helpful within the church. Correct. It is helpful to fight for truth and to build your truth upon the word of God. So I, I want to take this one other direction real briefly. One of these comments that you posted here, um, well, one comment that I see came in is he said the Equality Act would destroy religious freedom in this country. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to push that up. That's, now, that's a great comment, because I think that's the other side of the conversation I'm taking place that, yeah, that we're having. And it's what you're saying, posted that. Yeah, the Equality Act to destroy religious freedom in this country. I'm actually pretty much on the same page. Uh, the Equality Act is a very great threat. As far as I understand the Equality Act, I don't I don't I don't I don't want to go so far as to say it would destroy religious freedom. Yeah, I can't. It, it, I, I can't uh, endorse or uh, condemn that. It's a ballot measure. We're a nonprofit. So you can give your private, private yeah, uh, uh, interpretation of that. But, but, but go on, please. From what, from what, what, I'm say is, from what I've read on it, um, it, it would be a significant change to the law on hiring practices, on firing practices of all organizations within, within, within America, a redefinition of what gender and sex is on the whole. And so, I mean, there's lots I don't know. I'm, I'm going off what I understand of the Equality Act and thinking about this. Now, as a Christian, what we're not saying is that doesn't matter. Right. We're not saying don't fight for truth. We're right. saying it matters. We're, we're saying, yeah, fight. like, we need to know policy. We need, we need to be interested in what happens next in this country. And we need to really take a stand for things of justice, try to build our convictions properly, and look, look at policies that are coming down the pipeline as Christians and say, whoa, 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 whoa. If, the, if we can't build that up from scripture, we're not for it. That's not going to be something that we want for our society. It won't be good. What I am saying is that when it comes to relationships within the church particularly, we have to find a way to do that while also striving, as Paul says in Romans 14, in Romans 13, to live in harmony with one another, to love one another with agape love, which doesn't always mean winning the argument, which oftentimes means bringing people in even when you know they're wrong on something. Uh, and so there's this thing Christians got to work through, particularly in the church. You're on mute. Oh, thank you. You know what? Uh, what you just said. There's a verse I've been wanting to bring up here, and it's Romans twelve eighteen. By the way, if you're leaving comments, um, we're not going to be able to get to all of them. But uh, but thank you for leaving them. We also, Rafe, we've got some people watching who are um, posting some things that are pretty outside the pale in terms of the Overton window of what's what's uh, reasonable and acceptable discourse on this program. Um, <laughs> so I, I will say to those of you who are commenting, um, to the extent that you're viewing this not as a left or right issue, but more of a globalist issue, I think that's what you're getting at. Um, I'm talking specifically about the manufactured mysteries pod, uh, uh, account on YouTube. If you're if you're viewing this in terms of globalists versus everybody else, one thing you have to understand is there have always been globalists. There have always been people who want to um, 
uh, overtake the sovereignty of of nations in hopes of establishing a global government. Uh, I have my theological reasons for thinking that will never be successful. Um, and my, esch my eschatological reasons for thinking that, at least maybe except until the very end, um, when there's a, a release of Satan, that's a whole another issue. But I want you to know, I hear that. I'm not willing to go down that rabbit trail right now. Um, but look at this verse, bringing things back on track, Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That does not mean truth does not matter. Rafe, I love how you put that. It does not mean truth doesn't matter. Instead, it means as much as you can, don't be quarrelsome. Don't be pugilistic. Don't right. be all looking for a fight, man, because that's man-centered and that's self-centered, and it's not about you. And God's truth is strong enough that it will stand no matter what. Not only that, but you don't necessarily, <laughs> pragmatically, shrewdly, you don't want to be known as the guy who's always looking for an opportunity to fight because when they start cracking down, if they start cracking down, you don't want to be the first on the chopping block. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, does that mean you you keep silent when think something needs to be said? No, but you don't need to unnecessarily go around looking for fights and getting on people's bad side. Uh, from an evangelistic perspective, we need to be peacemakers, not, not peacekeepers. Dan Osborne in a, a sermon months ago talked about that. I thought it was brilliant. Now we made that delineation between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Anyway, Rafe, you got to take final thoughts because you got to go and then I'll close it out. Oh, no, I love, I, Joel, I love this stuff. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an amateur. I love talking politics, but more importantly, I love talking the Bible Amen. and building our worldview up from that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the words that should always ring from our worldview Wednesday is, is courage and conviction. And, and I hope Christians hear that Christians are not wet noodles that just kind of lay on the ground and and, uh, and 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 you know nothing really matters and you just kind of lay low and hide in your bunker. Right. No, we storm the gates of hell. Amen. And the, gates of the hell will not prevail against us. And in times, in trying times, a lot of times that means having courage and conviction. Where folks are afraid to have courage and conviction because to be a Christian, look, in general, the 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 secular humanistic world does not. It's not that they don't like conservatism; they don't like Christianity. Uh, that that that's a that, that's usually the starting place. They don't like the values that Christianity stands for. You might even say they don't it's like a political Christ. thing. Before before policy and politics is a thing, right. there's an actual life of living your life out boldly for Jesus Christ and standing up for what is right. Romans twelve uh, says, you know, cling to what is good and abhor what is evil. The the language there is like the extreme verbs, like, and we know what's good and evil based on what God says. And so when we see evil in society around us, if it's anything that disagrees with God, we abhor it. We don't, we don't hold on to a, the one piece that's holding us afloat and at the same time try to hold on to a sinking ship. No, we, we abhor it. We, we run from it. And so I hope what you hear today is have courage, have boldness to stand for truth, and yet be so dripping with love for your enemy, for prayer for your persecutor, blessing them, feeding them when they're hungry. I, I just preached again. I'm, I, I got to go. I got to run. But I just preached last week talking about the Lebanese church, what's going on in Lebanon, and the way that they are loving Syrian refugees who have historically been their persecutors. Hmm. And now the Syrians are showing up and they're hungry. And what, what's the Lebanese church doing? They're giving them jobs, they're giving them food, they're giving wow. them their family, and there's revival taking place. Wow. And so, again, Christian, pray for those who persecute you. Bless them, feed them, give them water. We ought to be known for that stuff. 
and have so much stinking courage that people know exactly where you stand. That's mic drop. I'm out. Love it. Uh, Rafe, thanks, man. I'm going to close this out. By the way, Good. Uh, you start calling people names and things like that. It's just, it gets distracting. And um, so uh, we had to put somebody in timeout. First time doing that. That was fun. Um, Rafe, God bless you, man. I know you got to run. Thanks. I'm going to give two practical examples. Uh, we, we already talked about it. Yep. So I'll talk to you later, man. All right. Goodbye. Okay, so practical things for us to do. I'm going to give you two ideas that you can do right now. And I think today is the day to act on these two ideas. Okay, the first idea is this. Do you know somebody who disagrees with you politically? Well, right now we are in a state of limbo and a state of flux where the dust has not settled on this election. This is your opportunity to reach out across the aisle and to tell that person, especially if it's a brother or sister in Christ, to tell that person, look, However, this thing shakes out, you're my brother or you're my sister, and I'm on your side because I'm on Christ's side and you're on Christ's side, so we're on the same side no matter how this thing shakes out. I love you. I'm here for you. I got your back, even though we disagree politically. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. There's going to be an influx of newly elected magistrates, representatives, judges, um, uh, representatives of the people, and there will be many representatives, judges, magistrates who have been reconfirmed in their positions. This is the opportunity for you to reach out as a believer who cares about this world, who cares about the culture, who cares about the, the uh, future of our nation, the future of the world, and cares about Jesus Christ and cares about the gospel getting out. This is an opportunity for you to reach out to your newly elected mayor, council member, um, judge, congressperson, senator, or hey, president, you know, once we figure out who the president's going to be, and say something like the following I wanted to reach out to you because I'm a Christian and for me, my allegiance to Christ, my allegiance to God's word means I need to be praying for you. God's word tells me to pray for you. So I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you have wisdom. I'm praying that you make uh, wise and just decisions. I'm praying for, uh, for your heart. I'm praying for your family. And then, by the way, follow through on this. Actually pray. And, um, and, and see what doors the Lord may open up for gospel witness there. Do so as a Christian, not just as a concerned citizen, not just as an American or, or wherever, you know, wherever you may you may be here, but as a Christian who follows Christ and, and puts and understands that politics is the is downstream from culture, which is downstream from religion, you have a chance to stand upstream and show Christian love and 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 um, and gospel witness to your magistrates. So that about wraps it up for us today. Man, what an episode. I hope you heard something helpful. I know I did. This is not goodbye. This is just a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. That's about all we have for you today. But first, real quick, let me give a, a, a quick plug for Rafe's website. Go to Pastor Rafe's website at rafechenery.com. Uh, check that out. He's got lots of great stuff on there. And by the way, have you listened to Rafe's new podcast? It's called The Christian Optimist. It's uh, it's a it's a worldview and apologetics podcast from Pastor Rafe. 
Man, is it good. Dan Bongino style, polit uh, uh, religious worldview, apologetics and anal uh, analysis. Check it out. You've got to listen to it. The Christian Optimist. Um, also, if you haven't done so yet, join. If this is the kind of thing that you enjoy, definitely go check out the Christian Culture Builders Facebook group. And stay tuned because very soon I'm going to be giving details on the Hammer and Anvil Society, which is starting up again, round two, in early 2021. So stay tuned for more information on that. That's about all we have for you today. So until next time, I hope it made you think.